hey, man, listen, Little Wayne, 2005 to 2010, that was his prime. I'd argue prime Little Wayne is top five all time. That is a hill I'm willing to die on. Don't at me. Welcome back to Random Thoughts by a Random Dude. I have missed you. But with that said, the last two weeks has given me plenty uh, to talk about in terms of NBA basketball, which is really all that's important right now uh, in terms of sports. WNBA is right behind them, but nobody's really worried about baseball for another few months. So NBA playoffs, that's what we're on today. And again, first round just ended last night with game seven between the Clippers and the Rockets. So what we're going to do is talk Eastern Conference, talk Western Conference. And what we'll do is we'll start from the bottom up. So we'll go from the least competitive games to the most competitive games. And what I will do, as I always try to do, is be as time efficient as I possibly can, because time is the one thing you cannot get back with that. Let's get started. We're talking Nets Raptors to begin here. Raptors won 4-0. Really not much to talk about. The Nets were without all of their main players, without Kevin Durant, without Kyrie Irving, without Spencer Dinwiddie, without DeAndre Jordan. You were really getting a uh, a shell of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they obviously uh, just hired uh, Steve Nash this morning to a four-year deal, which is a shocker uh, to some. But I guess when you really think about it, it, it shouldn't be too much of a shock. Uh, as a newly found Nets fan, but always Kyrie Irving fan, I will say that I wanted Greg Popovich from the Spurs to come. Um, I feel like Pop had did all he could do in San Antonio. He's been there since 1995, 1996. It was, it's been 20, 30 years. Like, Pop, come on, man. You've won champions, championships. You, you've developed superstars and Hall of Famers. Go on to your next, your next journey in, in Brooklyn and have two certified stu- superstars to help you out and help you win in what is a superstar driven league. Uh, that, that's why you really haven't heard much from the Spurs since Kawhi left. They don't have any superstars worth talking about that's going to keep them afloat in the Western Conference. So, again, Raptors swept the Nets 4-0. Uh, the one bright spot for the Nets is that they may have or may not have found their third wheel to Kevin Durant, to Kyrie Irving. Uh, Karis LeVert, this man was balling. Uh, during the restart, he averaged 25 points per game, 7 assists. In the playoffs specifically, he averaged 20 points per game, 10 assists. Uh, and, and, again, he could be the third wheel. I think time would tell. I also think, um, you know, Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie are probably going to try to find them a certified third superstar. They, they don't want to be a, you know, a big 2.5. I think they want to be a big three slash a big four because DeAndre Jordan is, is a definitely a, a big time number three person when you keep in mind that he does play for them. So that's Raptors Nets. Not much to talk about there. The Raptors did what they should do, um, you know, as defending NBA champions. Um, I guess the, the biggest news would be uh, Steve Nash. You know, I, I think that was a shocker for most, especially because it seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, generally speaking, um, when you when you have a head coaching search or a head coaching hire, things get really uh, things get leaked and, and things get dropped in the media and, and you hear things before they before they happen. So, you know, usually with a coaching hire, you're healed here that the team is talking to so and so or they're talking to this person or that person. Uh, here with the Nets, outside of Greg Popovich, um, you didn't really hear much of who the Nets could be talking to, uh, which also makes me believe that the Nets went all in on Greg Popovich and Pop said no. Um, something tells me that they did legitimately kick the tires on coach and uh, it just didn't go their way. And they moved to make a, you know, what I believe will end up being a good hire. Now, some are concerned with, uh, you know, how Steve Nash in terms of how passive he comes across, how he will mesh with 
Kevin Durant, with Kyrie Irving, who are, as much as I love them, I'd say they're my two favorite players in the NBA right now. Um, I think we can all agree that they have some uh, sensitive uh, qualities, which is okay. I don't mind that. But, um, you know, some are worried that Steve Nash can't quite handle that. I think it's a fair concern, but at the same time, um, you know, Steve Nash did coach in Golden State for a little, or I shouldn't say coach. I guess he was technically a consultant, uh, you know, technically. Uh, but that's another version of a coach. I mean, he, he saw Kevin Durant up close and personal 2016 or, or so. So they, they've been around each other. I think Kevin Durant probably vouched a little bit, um, for Steve Nash to Kyrie. Um, I think this is Kyrie and KD evening each other out. I think Kyrie chose the destination. Um, and, and I think that Kevin Durant just chose the coach. Um, so I think this is, uh, just all a part of their master plan to, to build the next super team in Brooklyn. And, um, I think they're going to do that. I think they win the championship, assuming they're fully healthy at any point through, through a, a full playoff. I think the Brooklyn Nets win the championship in the next two seasons at the very most. Um, maybe three if something just doesn't go well. Injury, you know, obviously Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, guys have been notoriously injured throughout their basketball career. So, Assuming they're fully healthy, I think they win the chip in the next year uh, or two. Um, I can see it going as well, or as long as three, if somebody does not stay healthy. Uh, with that said, on to the next uh, series, if you will, in the Eastern Conference. Um, another one not really worth spending too much time on. Uh, Celtic Sixers. Uh, obviously, the Sixers were down Ben Simmons. And, I mean, when it really comes down to it, I don't think Ben Simmons would have made much of a difference. They may have won. Uh, one game versus the Celtics, but I don't see them beating the Celtics two games, let alone four games, um, in the playoff series. So again, Celtics, Sixers, that's a quick one. Sixers really didn't even compete, which was kind of the, um, the disappointing thing there, but you know, things happen. Um, and, and you kind of have to move on from it. Then you go Bucks versus Magic. This was real simple. Magic, uh, stole game one. And I think what happened was once they stole game one, uh, that woke up the Bucks and the Bucks just kind of went into overdrive and, and just took care of business as the better team. So Eastern Conference as a whole, not necessarily the most competitive, um, especially when you consider just how competitive uh, the Western Conference was. Uh, but I think that just holds true to what we were saying for the last 10 years, that the Eastern Conference was a weak conference. Um, I think the lack of competitiveness that we saw here uh, proves it. I mean, you have a series that went 4-0, another series that went 4-1, another one that went 0-4. Like, that's that's a lot of teams that didn't even win more than two games. I mean, between three teams, they won one game. So not a whole lot of competitiveness there. On to the Western Conference. We'll start um, from the most competitive on this one, just because it was last night. It was most recent. OKC versus the Rockets. Um, first of all, shout out to Chris Paul, man. I, I'll be honest. I was a Chris Paul doubter, um, for many years. Not that I, I doubted he could ball. Everyone knows he can ball, but I just wasn't sold on him as a leader. But when you look at what he did, uh, with this OKC team, who doesn't have a, a star worth speaking of, Chris Paul really went there, put them on his back and almost took out the Rockets, uh, which would have been a legacy killer, uh, for two different people. Russell Westbrook, as much as I love him. Um, and, and James Harden, uh, if, if they lose that game seven to OKC, you can't really take Harden seriously. He can drop as many points as he wants to. He can take that extra step, that extra travel step and, and call it a gather step and put up all the highlights he wants to. But if he loses game seven last night, he, there's no way you can take him seriously. And I'll tell you why. I mean, you have to look at his history throughout the playoffs. Now, keep in mind, he started in OKC as a bench player, which 
that's why one of his biggest failures, it, it gets overlooked because he was actually coming off the bench. But even though he was coming off the bench in 2012 with OKC, he was still a major contributor until he got to the finals against LeBron, against Dwayne Wade, against Chris Bosh. And it was like, where is James Harden? But again, I'll give him a pass. That was Russell Westbrook's team. That was Kevin Durant's team. And Harden was more so of a thir- a true third wheel. Harden was coming off the bench and-, and leading the second wave of players. So not as much responsibility falls on him. But I will say, if you go back and look, you'll notice he disappeared against Miami. But again, we'll let that go. After that, he goes down to Houston. He says, I want to be the man. Right? That was the reason he went to Houston. He went down there. He knew he was going to be the guy. He's the superstar. He's the franchise. And over the next few years in the playoffs, he had nothing but bad games. Let's start in 2013. This man shot seven for 22 against the same team he just left. Okay. He just played. He just left Oklahoma City. He's playing Oklahoma City in the playoffs. If Oklahoma City wins this specific game, Houston loses. Harden loses again. OKC. Harden's old team. This man comes out and makes seven out of the 22 shots. He shot and they lost and OKC didn't even have Russell Westbrook during that game. So you just lost to a team in an elimination game while having an awful game. And they didn't even have arguably their best player on the team. All right. No worries. 2014, very next year. He's with the Rockets still. He loses the very first two games of this of the series versus the uh, Blazers. And they were home games, which they always say, hey, look, the series does not start until the home team loses. Not only did the home team lose, they lost their very first two games, okay? Then in the elimination game, okay, in the last 18 minutes of the elimination game, James Harden made one shot, had two points. He made zero free throws, had zero assists. How? 18 minutes? That's almost, that's close to, that's about a quarter and a half of basketball. Your superstar gives you two points, one made shot, zero free throws, and zero assists. He's not impacted in the game at all. And this is your best player. That's unacceptable. But hey, that's 2014. Maybe it's, maybe it's just, maybe it's just happenstance that James Harden has now come up short in three playoffs. Fast forward to 2015. He gets benched in a closeout game in the semifinals, but the Rockets win. So they move on. Fast forward. He's playing the Warriors, which okay, 2015 Warriors. I get it. But my man broke the NBA record for most turnovers in a playoff game. And he did that in the most important game of the season. Okay, so now that's 2012, 13, 14, and 15, where he's now come up small in the playoffs. Loses in the 2016 playoffs to the same Warriors team that is a dynasty. I'll give him a pass on that. Then you have the very next season in 2017, where what he does is this. The man lost by 39 to the Spurs, who were playing with no Kawhi Leonard and no Tony Parker in a closeout game. In that same game, James Harden had three times as many turnovers as shots made he played so badly it it looked like he quit but it literally looked like he threw the game it looked like he was trying to lose all right that's five straight years of what's going on with james harden in the playoffs 2008 you may remember this the rockets are an elimination game western conference final james harden shoots 24 percent from the three-point line 24 percent from the three-point line and at one point he had missed 22 straight three-point shots we're talking about James Harden, step back three king, Houston Rockets, three point team, like nobody's business, Mike D'Antoni, and you go 0 for 22 at any span, shooting from behind the line as the leader of the team. All right. With that said, we're going to let James go. You've heard enough about his failures. 
Let's talk about Russ just for a tad bit. Russ struggled uh, during this last playoff series. Um, but what I will say is that in game seven against OKC, there came a point where James Harden was two for 11 as the leader of the team. And, it, and after game six, where Russ kind of, t- sorry, there's no kind of Russ, Russ threw the game away in game six. There's no, there's no sugarcoat now when he threw game six away and you can hear all of the, the talk about, Hey, Russ is, is, is at fault here, which I agree with. There is a lot of fault that falls on Russ's shoot on Russ's shoulders because of his history in OKC of coming up short and of just flat out throwing away games, important games throughout his career. What Russ did was he went and scored 10, 15 points or so in the third quarter and really kept the Rockets afloat at a time where their, their number one leader, their alpha dog was nowhere to be found. So because of all of the, all of the slack that Russ took after game six, I also want to point out that, Hey, without him in game seven, the Rockets are at home and, and James Harden and Mike D'Antoni might be on different teams next year. And after OKC and the Rockets, we got the Nuggets and the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, both put on shows. Um, and put on one of those kinds of displays that say, hey, we have next. Like, we're going to be the next generation of superstars for the NBA. And and there's really no denying what they did. In terms of Mitchell, in terms of Murray, one cool stat about these guys that I like is that they both individually accounted for two of the highest amount of made three-pointers in a playoff series. Two of the top five just happened in the same series. Those guys got next. You know, it was a seven-game series, but I also feel like until further notice, the, the Nuggets and the Jazz, they're, they're kind of the little brother. Like, they can fight amongst each other, and once they make it to the next round, they're going to lose to the Lakers of the world, probably the Blazers, definitely the Clippers. Uh, they're going to lose to the, a fully healthy Warriors team, but they're going to be great to watch in the first round. I think the Nuggets could potentially get through that. I think they have certain pieces there, like Michael Porter, who can help get them through to the next round. Um, however, I really don't ever see them winning a championship. Nothing wrong with that, though. They'll still be a, a great team, a fun team to watch. Also, shout out to Donovan Mitchell for that new contract, $170 million. Uh, this is actually why they let teams who draft their stars get that extra year on the contract is so the Donovan Mitchells of the world don't just pick up and, and leave to the, to the Lakers or to the Knicks or to the bigger market teams because guess what? That hometown team can offer you one extra year and X amount of dollars. That doesn't happen very often in NBA playoffs. Um, they're one of a, only a few teams to, to ever do that. All right. So we got Nuggets Jazz out the way. Then we got Clippers Mavericks. And this was arguably one of the um, more entertaining series uh, of the playoffs. Uh, Luka Doncic, he let the world know uh, that he's here, that he's here to stay. Um, the Mavs don't necessarily play on primetime TV all that much. Um, so he, he might have been a little bit unknown to the casual basketball fan. Um, but from what I understand, all the true basketball heads have been talking about Luca for years. I'm just not coming around on him, but he put on a show. Um, the man averaged 31 points a game, 10 rebounds, nine assists, and it was his very first playoff series. And he did that all but on a bum angle for pretty much the whole series. Um, so, so Luca is the truth. Um, I didn't realize he was six foot seven. I mean, he looks so, he looks small on TV almost. Um, but six foot seven and for him to be able to move like that. Um, it's pretty remarkable. So I think he is going to be the, the guy that leads the next wave, uh, along with the Jamal Murray's and Donovan Mitchell's. I, I think Luca, though, is going to kind of be that guy that's number one, um, in the next wave of NBA stars. Um, uh, Marcus Morris is a goon, uh, somewhat at first. It didn't, it didn't seem like it in terms of the series. Uh, it seemed like there was some incidental contact here and there between him and Luca. Uh, but then that incidental contact happened about 
three times in a row in three separate games. And it was like, okay, Morris, it's clear what's going on. Uh, so I think going into the next round, um, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, he's not getting technical fouls the same way that Draymond was getting them a few years ago. Uh, but I do think, uh, the, the fact that he's had these, these dust ups, if you will, versus the Mavs, I do think referees might be a little bit more, I do think referees might look at him a little bit closer, uh, during games and that could lead to more foul calls in bigger games down the road. Uh, so I think, you know, Marcus Morris is, is something to keep eye, is someone to keep an eye on simply because he is a pivotal part of the Clippers. Um, so I, I would say if he doesn't, if he slash whoever's calling the shots for him to, to go after the other star, uh, if they don't fix that, I think that's something that could uh, come to a head soon. Um, also, Luca did all that with no Kristaps, no KP on the floor, and you were still able to average your 31-10. I mean, that's almost a triple-double for an entire playoff series versus the second-best team in the playoffs, maybe the first-best team in the playoffs. We don't know yet. Clippers won that one. Also want to talk about quick second and, and Trey Young uh, debate that I believe is going to be a debate for the next 20 years. Um, because they're both great players in their own right. And for those of you who don't know or don't remember, uh, the Hawks and the Mavericks traded Luka and Trey Young on draft night. Those are, that's a move that's going to be second guessed for all of eternity. But it's also showing you just how great both players are individually. Because if one player was significantly better than the other, there's no debate, right? It's only a debate if it's, a, if it's close. I think the Luka and Trey Young trade will be debated for a while. But with that said, I think Trey Young is being held to a unfair standard. And I say that because he's being compared to a guy in Luka who came from playing basketball overseas. Luka was playing with professionals overseas at the age of 15. That might not seem like a big deal, but I, I'll explain to you why. If, it, if a basketball player comes out of high school and he goes and he plays overseas, he cannot come back to America and play college basketball in the NCAA. The reason that is, is because European international basketball is so much better than college basketball that you're essentially a professional. Once you go overseas and you play at that level of basketball, you're no longer a college kid. I don't care if you're 18. You went over there and you played it with the professionals. You're now as good as a professional. International basketball has taken off. I say it to say, Luca has been playing with professionals since he was 13, 14, 15 years old. And then you give him five years of that. And then he comes to the NBA and he wasn't just playing with professionals. He was winning. Like he, you got to understand, he comes from a basketball pedigree. His dad was winning championships overseas. Now he was winning championships overseas and he comes to America with five years of professional basketball in his back pocket. Trey Young doesn't have the five years of professional basketball overseas since he was 15. Trey Young was playing basketball in the NCAA at Oklahoma against regular college kids. Completely different level of competition than what Luca was facing in, in you know, in what Luca was facing and going up against overseas. It's really no comparison. And if it is a comparison, it's an unfair comparison. I'm sure had Trey Young played overseas for an extra five years with professionals, he'd be even better than he already is now, which is, would be hard to do because he's averaging almost 30 a game as it is. But I say that to say this. I think the Hawks and I think the Mavericks both made a trade, not only because of basketball, because you can't really go wrong drafting Trey or Luka. I don't think the, the, I don't think the Hawks and the Mavericks were making basketball decisions. I think, at least not fully, right? Obviously somewhat, but I don't think it was fully basketball. Both teams were making a business decision in the sense of this player is going to appeal to my market 
better than it would the other players. So as great as Luka is, I don't think Luka is going to sell seats in Atlanta, Georgia. I just don't. I've sold sports tickets there before. It's a very fickle market, right? They're only going to go for certain. People are only going to buy tickets in Atlanta to watch a certain type of player. It is what it is. Same with Dallas. I'm not sure. Now, do I think the Oklahoma fan base might might have you know come down to, to Dallas had uh, Trey got drafted there? Yeah, of course. But outside of that, I don't think Trey really fits the Dallas demographic as much as he does Atlanta. And I think both NBA teams took that into consideration. It might be uncomfortable to talk about, but that's what I think happened. And I think we shouldn't kill Trey Young because he really had nothing to do with where he got drafted. Both will be great players. I believe both will be Hall of Famers. Um, and it's going to be a comparison that they both have to deal with. And I hope they both, especially Trey Young, understand they're only being compared because they're both great. One is not great and the other, you know, it's not like one person is great and the other one isn't. Both are great in their own right. And that, and because of the trade, those two things combined, now they're, they're always going to be compared. So I hope Trey doesn't let that get to his head. I hope he keeps on improving um, because he's already starting to prove a lot of the people wrong that doubted him. Um, and I hope he continues to do so. Next up, Lakers Blazers, man. Uh, we got to talk real quick about uh, Damian Lillard. This man uh, was on an absolute tear leading into the playoffs, leading into the playoffs. And then he ran into the Lakers and disappeared, which I don't necessarily have a problem with him disappearing. My problem is more so how it seems to happen year after year after year. If Dan was just losing games and losing series in the playoffs, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, Portland is Portland. You know, they're not really winning championships anyway. But it's the, oh, I got hurt, and that's why I can't play. And he always seems to get hurt when it, his team is clearly about to lose. But when he's dropping 50, 60 in regular season games and beating his chest, it's like a whole different guy. But when it's crunch time, playoffs, your team's season is on the line, oh, my ribs hurt. Oh, my hand hurts. Oh, my knee hurts. Like, come on, man. You're the superstar. You're getting paid almost $200 million. How do you get hurt to the point where you can't play every playoff series? Or at least a lot of them. It's like the most crucial moments you're losing your superstar. And sometimes I don't need the best player on the court for me or on the field for me to actually do what they do. Sometimes I just need you on the court for morale, right? The Blazers knew they were going to lose to the Lakers. Nobody doubted that. But if they're going to lose with Damian Lillard, what's going to happen without him? It's clear as day what's going to happen. So sometimes you got to push through it, man. For that MRI to come back inconclusive, and that's you can't you can't play on an inconclusive MRI on your knee. Like if it, it, it couldn't have been that bad for the MRI not to have something for you to say yay or nay, why couldn't you get back on the court, man? You're getting paid two hundred million dollars. This is what you're supposed to do. It is what it is. We're going to let Dame go, man. Dame, listen, he, he's going to be that guy in Portland. And, you know, if you want to be that guy in Portland, that's fine. You know, that, it is what it is. You, you got you got about one hundred and fifty million dollars. Listen, you're never going to win a championship, but at least you'll be rich. All right. Let's move on to NBA hot topics. The main one that there really is to talk about it is really just the, the NBA boycott. Um, shout out to Kyrie Irving. My guy said this back in June or so when the restart was about to happen. Kyrie said, hey, we shouldn't go back. We should we should boycott. This is our time. Blah, 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 blah. And Kyrie was slandered out the wazoo for being uh, a, a thinker, for being able to think a little bit deeper uh, and for and for being able to take a second and, and not be so eager to get back to sports. So shout out to him for doing, you know, for throwing out that idea when two months later, after people called him crazy, those same people 
were some of the biggest boycotters. And, you know, those are some of the people that were on TV the most, you know, getting the highlights of them boycotting and walking off and et cetera. We got to give Kyrie his due. Um, but in terms of the boycott itself, I, I will say um, I've got some thoughts on it. And I'm curious as to why now, why, why boycott when there's nobody in the stadium? There's zero, there's zero people in the stadium. How, how much heart and how much courage does it take to quote unquote boycott or take a knee in an empty stadium? I don't think it takes much. I don't think that takes very much gumption. I don't think it speaks loudly of you. If anything, I'm wondering where this was four years ago when Kaepernick did it in full stadiums, 70,000 seat stadiums, not 20,000 like the NBA plays in, not 30,000 like the NBA plays in. Kaepernick was doing this in front of 50, 60, 70,000 people week in and week out. He didn't wait until it was empty stadiums and there was there was no ridicule to be taken. I'm curious of the motive behind the NBA players' moves. I'll say that, um, you know, you, you have to sometimes think a little bit deeper than what's just being put out there. Um, I, I think, can you really, like, is it really a boycott? Like, you didn't boycott anything. Like, all they did was cancel the game and, and for a day or two, you got an extra two days of rest and, and nobody lost the game. It wasn't like, oh, we boycott and we lost the game in the series. <laughs> they, they boycotted. Nobody lost the game. Nobody was punished in terms of playoff games. And we just rescheduled the game two days later. I, I'm not, I'm not going to give you kudos for that. Like that's, that don't, that's nothing, man. Don't, don't get me started. That's, that is not what I think the movement, the Black Lives move, Movement is about. Um, I don't think that's how it should be done, but that's my opinion. We all have our own opinion. Um, I don't think it's, uh, cool to just wait till when things are convenient to, to start to, to stand up. Like anybody can do that. Um, we're talking about a civil rights, a human rights movement. You can't half-ass it. Um, so I would challenge the NBA players. I would challenge all of the other teams and all the other sports that are quote unquote boycotting to, to think a little bit deeper about how you can be impactful. Um, because as an athlete, you have a lot more power than the everyday person. So those are my thoughts on the boycott. Um, it was a pretty big to do, but honestly, um, I, I think, I think it could have been done a little bit differently. And I think they probably could have made, um, a little bit further progress on their, uh, on their cause. Had it been done a little bit differently, maybe a little bit more well thought out, or maybe had they just taken Kyrie's opinion and not started basketball at all, that would have sent a stronger message, especially when you consider the fact that NBA is coming right back in December. So once these playoffs are done in September slash October, well, six weeks, eight weeks later, they're going to be right back in the basketball season. They could have easily have missed all of this time in the bubble and been right back to basketball and killed two birds with one stone in terms of standing up for the cause, and being able to play basketball at the end of this year. Those are just my thoughts on that. But now on to the second round predictions. Uh, we got Lakers versus Rockets. I'll be honest with you, man. I think that's going to be a five-game series at the very most. Um, I, I think um, LeBron is going to do to James Harden and the Rockets what he did to uh, the Raptors for all those years. I think the Rockets are going to be the new Raptors for LeBron. He can play them every year in the playoffs. He's going to beat them every time. And I don't care if you have James Harden. I don't care who your superstar is. It's just, you know, you that's going to be his team that he beats up on every year. And, and it's going to be even worse to watch because they do have a Harden. They do have a Westbrook. Um, but they have no chance against the Lakers, man. This might Lakers Rockets might be a sweep. Um, if James Harden keeps on coming up small in the playoffs, uh, even if he does come up big, there's no way they're winning more than a game or two. And if they won two, they would be extremely lucky. Let's move on. Clippers, Nuggets. Uh, I've got Clippers in six. 
Um, you got to give I got to give the Nuggets some respect, and it also seems like the Clippers somewhat sleepwalk sometimes. Um, and then until we figure out which version of Paul George we're getting uh, from game in and to game out, we we're going to give the Nuggets two two games. On to the Eastern Conference, we got Bucks versus Heat. Obviously, because of scheduling, obviously because some teams one and four, some teams one and seven, things are a little bit off schedule wise. But Bucks Heat, Bucks are already down 0-2. Uh, but after how that game ended last, uh, you know, the second game of this series, uh, with Jimmy getting fouled on the uh, three-point line by Giannis and for uh, the Bucks that have been so close, um, that's going to go one of two ways. Either that's going to break the Bucks and they're just never going to recover from it, or they're going to be driven to come back and they win the next four. Um, I'm still holding out hope that the Bucks win that. But at the same time, if the Heat win this series, they can, they can win the NBA championship. And I didn't think that. Um, you know, at any point this season or these playoffs. But if they win this series, especially if they win it, you know, in four or five games, I think that he can not only get to the championship, I think they can win the championship. Um, and again, the Heat were nowhere on my radar. They were nowhere in my first round predictions to win the championship. Uh, but hey, they're the dark horse at this point. Um, also want to say, uh, Giannis, Giannis took a lot of, uh, a lot of heat because, uh, in game one, Jimmy Buckets, he, he was getting off. And Giannis, who's the defensive player of the year, uh, did not necessarily step up to, to help slow down Jimmy. Um, and I will say, uh, I see both sides of it. Yes, he's the, de- he's the defensive player of the year to a certain degree. He's supposed to say, Hey, that's my defensive assignment. If he's, you know, Jimmy's just balling like that. But I mean, let's keep in mind, Giannis is seven feet tall and Jimmy <laughs> is not. Jimmy is a explosive player, but he's not as stiff as Jimmy or he's not as stiff as, uh, Giannis. So it's a little bit more difficult than, oh, you're defensive player of the year. Go guard the player that's scoring the most points for the other team. It's not that easy. And you see why in game two when Jim, when, when Jimmy Buckets is shooting a three with zero seconds left on the clock and Giannis, who's seven feet tall, is on the three-point line trying to guard somebody he's not supposed to guard. He fouls him, and now Jimmy is on the line shooting two free throws with no time on the clock. Well, maybe if Giannis just stayed in his lane, Jimmy's not shooting those two free throws. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Raptors, Celtics. Uh, the Raptors were my pick to go all the way, and they are currently down 0-2. Not only are they down 0-2, um, they're not really putting up a fight uh, at this point, which is what's kind of surprising. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think the Bucks can come back. I'm not. I, I'm not as confident about the Raptors. I think the Raptors are in some serious trouble um, because I think what's happening is is that they don't have that one superstar that can score for them when they need to. So when you're playing against a team like the Celtics that have four to five different players that can score double digits any game, you if you don't have that, which the Raptors don't, they don't have four to five players that can score double digits consistently in a game. If you don't have that and you're playing a team that does, the next best option is for you to have a singular superstar who can ball out, a Kawhi Leonard of sorts, who you don't have anymore. So now you don't not so now not only do you not have the best player on the court, you don't have the best team either because all of the other parts that the Celtics have that are, are better than your parts. So you, you're kind of at a loss. I think the Raptors are in trouble. Um, and if they don't win tonight, uh, you're, it, it could be bad. It could be bad. You can't go from champions with Kawhi to getting swept in the second round without him. Um, and then I also think if they do lose this series, it speaks to how great of a player Kawhi was. A lot of the talk in the league or, you know, as fans were, Hey, you know, the Raptors are just as good without Kawhi. They're just as good as Ka- without Kawhi. Well, two games in, you know, versus the Celtics, I think we're starting to see that that's not the truth. 
So again, my picks for this round, second round, I got the Lakers beating the Rockets in five. I got the Clippers beating the Nuggets in six. Um, Bucks are down 0-2, but I've got them uh, winning the next four, which sounds crazy because the way the, the Heat have been playing, I just don't know how. But the Bucks almost won that second game. So it's not impossible for them to win one and then get going. Um, but it starts with one. And their next game is literally their most important game of the season. They go do- uh, they go down 0-3 versus, you know, Jimmy and the Bucks. It's over. It's a wrap. Um, and if, if it goes down, you know, oh, you know, if they go down 0-3 and if they lose in four or five games, I think Giannis is gone. And I think Giannis is going to the Warriors. So keep an eye out on that. And at this point, I think the Celtics are going to beat the Raptors, which would throw off all of my playoff predictions. But I mean, from what you've seen so far, the Celtics are the better team. So it's hard not to pick them at this point, um, as I think they're just flat out better than the Raptors, uh, which is different than the, than the Bucks. I think the Heat just which is different than the Bucks, who I think could potentially come back in their series. With that said, listen, it was my pleasure. Thank you again for joining me this time. After the second round of the playoffs are done, I will be back after the second round of the playoffs are done, and we'll talk more basketball then. Again, signing off, random thoughts, random dude, as always. Till next time, take care of yourself and each other. Yeah.